Hi, this is Amanda Dolan and welcome to The Mental Society. Today I'm joined by Nora and Trina. Um, if you have not listened to the last two episodes that were their uh, interviews individually, encourage you to go back and listen to that, hear a little bit more of their individual stories before we talk about their story as a couple. Uh, so thank you guys so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited to keep a conversation going about mental health and relationships. Um, so tell me a little bit about how y'all met. <laughs> um, we met online back in 2019 and had our first date. It was amazing. Um, I knew that this was someone I wanted to be with, but I was still struggling in reconciling that in my relationship with Christ, another pod show. <laughs> anyway, um, we lost touch after a while and I pulled away because I was going through recovery and I said, I, I need to focus on this, but I was also trying to figure out where I was going in life. So make a long story short, about a year later, my daughter asked me, whatever happened to that woman that you went to lunch with? Mom, you were so happy when y'all were talking all the time. And I said, well, we kind of lost touch. And she's like, you should get back in touch with her. So I started stalking on different websites because I couldn't remember the one that we had met on. And so I kept trying these different sites and women would approach me. And I was like, thank you, but no, thank you. I'm actually looking for this one particular person. Well, I found her. And I reached out to her and I was like, you know, is this Nora? And when you got my message, what'd you think? Um, I thought, well, where'd she come from? <laughs> and she asked, she said, okay, where did we go on our, on our date to make sure I was really the right person that was responding to her? And I answered her and I gave a little more detail than just where we went. So she knew it was me. That was November of 2020. And we've been, yeah, it was November of 2020 and we've been inseparable since. Yeah. Spectacular. And and I know if, if you've listened to the other um, episodes, then you've heard that they talked about being in recovery and meeting and connecting there as well. Um, so how has that, you know, been maybe helped your relationship be stronger uh, being part of that healing process together? Well, we didn't hide um, our struggles, our individual struggles with each other. It was just kind of matter of fact, this is what's going on. I'm in recovery for this, that or the other. And she's like, I've been through Celebrate Recovery too. And she shared about her experiences as well. So it was nice to not have to hide the depression and anxiety from the start because we just kind of put it out there. These are the things that we're dealing with and recovering from. And Trina, I know that when when you and I talked in that first interview, you talked about wearing masks a lot growing up. Yes. And so this is very different because you showed up without that mask on and you were accepted without that mask on. Yes, but you know, when I look back on it, it was a matter of, here's, I'm gonna lay it all out here. She'll run away. They always do. You know, they'll run away. So it was almost like, let me just put this out here. 
I I consider it self-sabotage, to be honest with you. And she wasn't having it. She was, it was kind of like, well, then let me share with you about this. And, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> and so, you know, Trina, it's interesting that you said that because Nora talked about when she received some of her diagnoses, both mental health as well as physical health, she gave you full permission to to leave. She did. And so why'd you stay? I loved her. It was early in the relationship, time-wise. I mean, we were months in, but we had already established so much in a short amount of time, and I was committed. It was it was that simple. We're in this. We're in this together. It blew my mind even, to be honest with you, because we had different people that would come to me and say, you know, I think you guys are great together, but with these new diagnoses, you probably want to count up the cost and really think about what it is that you're committing to. Okay, well, I'm already committed to her. And while I can appreciate what you're saying, the commitment part is already made. And these are some things that have taken place that we're going to have to work through. And they're going to be hard. They're going to be very hard. My best friend, who's also a nurse, she just told me, she said, Trina, when it's good, it's going to be amazing. And she goes, but when it's dark, when it when it's bad, it's going to be pretty dark and pretty hard. And you need to recognize both sides of those and be willing to accept both sides of those. She goes, there's going to come times you're not going to see any light at all. And I couldn't believe it when she was telling me this. I was like, oh, no way. But no, it got pretty dark and there wasn't any light. And she goes, but when you finally see that glimpse of light in her again, you keep fanning that light. You keep keep on. Don't stop taking care of yourself, but keep keep nurturing that light in her and remember that she's in there somewhere. And, and so, Nora, when Trina didn't run away, when you gave her full permission to, um, well, one, did you think she was a little crazy for staying around? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and and I know that was very different than a lot of previous relationships where kind of the first sign of trouble people run. So how did that maybe even impact how you showed up for her when she was showing up for you completely? Honestly, for the first, I mean, so much of that time I was, you know, got the physical diagnosis and then the, the mental diagnosis and was in care for another five months. <sighs> to be honest, I wasn't really there for her. Because we were all, we were all um, both uh, very absorbed in what was going on with me. Because the mental health was changing daily. Yeah. And the physical stuff was unbearable. So to be honest, I really wasn't there for her. She was there for me. And then how did that feel to you know, maybe feel like you weren't the the partner that you wanted to be. Um, you know, this is going to sound extremely selfish, but I was so absorbed in what was going on with me. It didn't even dawn on me. And you, it may sound selfish and also 
it's not because you were so focused on healing yourself that that's what needed your attention and focus, right? There's only so much of ourselves that we have. And she was there not, I mean, it sounds like she was there, not just, um, I mean, she's not there for the, the short term. She's there to love all of you and support you in every way she can. Yeah. Um, it was hard, Amanda. Oh, I have, <laughs> uh, trust me, I have no doubt. Cause I know how, how I was when I was dealing with just mental health and, and Nora, like, I'm hoping that people have listened to this, but you have lupus as well as rheumatoid arthritis and there's, there's a lot, but during this time you, you've received a bipolar diagnosis, a diagnosis of lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Correct. Got lots of physical stuff happening as well as bipolar is a big diagnosis and Mm -hmm. it can take a while to get all of that even, you know, moods, even figure out what meds are the best. So Trina, you said it was hard on you too. So I know you said you were already committed, but I want to go back to in that first interview we had, you talked about being a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. So how did, how did your people pleasing impact the beginning part of your relationship? Well, I knew that when she got the diagnosis, it was okay, she, she needs me. You don't walk away from people. So it became that she needs me. Um, she needs me to be there for her. Um, okay. But Trina, you also have depression. You also have, okay. But right now that's nothing in comparison to the, I'm, I'm talking as the, uh, what was going yeah. on in my head. Yeah. But that's nothing in comparison to bipolar with cyclothymia, bipolar two with cyclothymia, complex PTSD, severe anxiety and depression. You just have depression and anxiety. She's got severe anxiety and depression. This is the self-talk that was going on in my head. So I began to diminish even more. And it's something that I have learned um, and acknowledged that I took on on myself by pushing my needs to the backside and making her diagnosis diagnoses on the front on the front end of everything and they became the priority and looking back on it of course that was unfair and that was unrealistic and all of the above um but it's where I was at in my mind I was like this is you don't walk away from people when they need you like that you just don't and that's where that nurturing without boundaries came into play or the fun and and so when now would you say that your boundaries have changed? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's imperative. And let me backtrack just a moment. Interestingly enough, though Nora um does not feel that she was there for me in the way that she had been, and that part's true, one thing she was there for me for was making sure that I took care of myself. It always amazed me in the middle of you going through everything you're going through you're still checking in with me. That may seem small to you, but it was huge for me. She's like, I want you to take care of yourself. Are you sure that you can handle this? And so when she says I wasn't there for her, she may not have been there for me in the way that she was accustomed to being. But I would take someone sincerely checking on me and making sure that I'm okay 
over a lot of other things any day. So yes, she was there for me in her own way, in the only way that she could be, which pushed me to be like, okay, in order for us to handle this, we both can't sink down into darkness. I've got to acknowledge my depression isn't doing real good right now. My anxiety is through the roof because I do not know what's going on with you. I don't know where the rage is coming from again. I don't know where the anger is coming from again or how we even deal with that. But I have to be able to say, this is hurting me. This is not okay. So I did develop some boundaries and I've learned that I can still be supportive of my wife and not lose myself in the process. I think that's huge. And I think self-care is far more, um, it's, it's more than taking a bath or, you know, whatever, you know, going and buying your favorite book and reading on the couch or, or whatever it is. Self-care is about acknowledging what your needs are as well um, and asking for them or, you know, moving away from something that isn't working in a relationship or for you, period. Um, I have learned to ask for what I need and tell Nora what I need. And I do it without any guilt now before I kind of felt guilty. She's already going through something. How dare you add something else to her plate? But she's like, Trina, how will I know if you don't tell me? If, how will I know? My brain isn't working right now. So things that may be normal, they're not normal for me anymore. So Nora, when you think about like the communication that you guys have versus maybe communication in other relationships in the past, how does communication impact how you all show up with each other? If she doesn't tell me what she needs or what she's feeling, there's no way for me to know. And I can't assume. Um, and she can't assume either. I mean, we know, we know what assuming does. Except and you and me. That's yeah. right. And <laughs> We we have fallen into that at times and misunderstandings and miscommunications, but we're also pretty careful about checking in and making sure we do understand what the other one's saying. Um, <laughs> because if she's not saying I need X, Y, Z, I may assume she needs ABC, you know, and if I think, okay, this is what I'm getting. This is what I think. She's like, no you're completely wrong. It's this. We've learned to check in with each other. Yes, ma'am. And I will say I'm thankful for her. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you, you're thankful for her. I'm thankful for her diagnosis. And here's why. Communication is important in relationships, period. But when you're dealing with um, a mountain of things, it's like we've learned that we have to be even more diligent about our communication. Is exactly we do we we have more intentional that's the word we've become so much more intentional as a result of her diagnoses so it's a blessing in that I like that intentional about your communication and that thoughtfulness that's because it can be easy when things are rough right to just run and hide or not have those conversations and then as, as I know has happened in my own relationships, when you don't have those, you don't say what you need and you're not intentional about sharing all of that 
one or both people can begin to resent the other. Yes, ma'am. And then that can break down a lot of the things, the love and and all of that. So I I know you said you met in November or you started dating again in November of 2020. When when did y'all get married? We got married February 22nd, 2022. 22, 22. That's lots of twos. I like that. Yes, it is. And it was a Tuesday. <laughs> All the twos. That's that's pretty fun because now like the two of you are one, right? So <laughs> all the twos joining together. I think that's pretty awesome. Um, so I know that, you know, you talked a little bit about like sometimes things aren't aren't as good or there's not the the best communication. Nor do you feel like you rage the same way that you used to in other relationships or before treatment? No. Um I did during all of that last year or two years ago. Um I'd gone six years without an anger or rage incident, and I I broke that two years ago. Um, but I don't rage quite the same way. I would hit thing. I've never hit a person in anger, um, and you know, striking out. You know, there's been times where, you know, you kind of, you know, touch the other person or whatever. But I never struck a person you know i would punch a wall before i'd punch a person kick a wall yeah throw things hit things um a lot of property damage um and i don't i don't do that um it's mostly yelling and screaming and i may throw something here and there but i'm not doing I'm not throwing hard things at other hard things. And it, it's hard to say what I'm doing that's different, but I I do know that it's different. And and then like Trina, in, in our previous conversation, you talked about having a reaction or response when Trina, I mean, sorry, Trina had a reaction when, when you, Nora, had a um those loud moments because Trina that brought back some stuff from your childhood. So yes. when those things happen, have you been open with Trina about when you do this, this brings this up for me and it makes it really hard or some version of that? Yes, I have. I mean, we, we've talked, once things have calmed down, we've been able to talk about it and I have to remember this. She's not my mom. That's not the same thing that she's not going to lash out and hit me or I have to run in fear from her or something like that. But being able to say to her in a safe place too, when you act like this, it reminds me of this. And that was impactful for Nora. She, she said it really bothered her because she knows what my upbringing was like. And to even be compared, I mean, she could speak for herself too, to even be compared to that um, was unsettling for her. And I mean, I can imagine that, but also, Nora, in your past, you know, long-term relationships, and I don't think you were married in the two I'm, that I know about because, or were you? Not, with, not, not, not legally. 
not uh, legally we had ceremonies and all that good stuff but it was not legal at the time so no not um, legally married. well yes which is dumb and a whole other conversation but um <laughs> when you when you think back to those relationships when you had those moments of rage and anger did your previous partners wives were they open with you about how it impacted them Yes, but it wasn't a conversation. It was a, you made me feel this way, um, or you scare me or something like that. It wasn't a conversation about, it was more of a, you scare me and you, that was pretty much the big thing. It wasn't a, this is how it made me feel. Um, it was more of a statement and not a conversation. Hmm. I'm also curious if you would have been at that time open to even hearing those, like truly hearing it and, you know, assimilating it into who you are. Probably not. So really that recovery process has perhaps opened you up to hearing more and understanding how you impact others yes yeah that's that's a safe that's a safe bet right there um and you know i know that that you're and trin i'm sorry this is not okay. exactly you related but um it, it came up for me uh so nora like i know that your your exes don't speak to you right like there's no real so if you could say something to them in two or three sentences at the most, what would you want them to know about who you were and who you are now? Um, I would take ownership of what happened in the past. Um, and I'm not who I was in a lot of ways. I'm not who I was. Um, yes, I made some mistakes. Yes, I did some things and said some things I shouldn't have said. Um, did some things I shouldn't have done, but I've also grown since that. And I'm not that same person and I'm not going to repeat the same mistakes. And I'm wondering if there, there might even be, maybe for both of you in your previous relationships, maybe some gratitude to those people for Maybe not just putting up with, putting up, I don't love that I just said it that way, but putting up with you, but then also maybe holding up a mirror to you too, to show you some of the broken pieces of you that you're now healing. Yes. Yeah. I've actually had conversations with several exes, um, previous marriages, um, and I told them, I said, I learned a lot about myself from being with you and um, saw places in me that I still needed to grow in grace. And I asked for forgiveness for how I treated them when I was so broken and unhealed. Period. I mean, I, 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 um, that I took ownership for my part, that it wasn't all them, that I played a part too, you know. And it's kind of like, I'm sorry for hurting you while I was hurting. 
And I think that's powerful when we take ownership of our stuff without the the blame, which, you know, both of you all right there talked about is this is my stuff. And I think that even when you say this was my stuff and I, I didn't show up the way you needed or whatever, that doesn't negate that they did things too. Right. right? There were things that were harmful that they did, but it's right just on. taking ownership and not turning it around like, well, yeah, but also like you did all these things that hurt me. So we're even because right. I don't know that relationships are about being even as much as they're about being supportive yeah, and, and staying connected. So I know, I know Nora's on medication and I think Trina, you said that you are as well. Yes. How do you all, you know, stay accountable and work together and support each other in your treatment, your medication compliance and all of those things. How does that, how do you all work together for that? We pretty much check in daily. Mm -hmm. And, um, try to, well, we have a con I pick her up from work at the end of the day and we have how was your how was your day thing on the way home and it kind of is a our way of checking in on each other to see if there's anything left over that we're that we're going to bring home with us i guess is the best way to say that it is and we do that so that we're not walking in the door with that stuff we're letting letting that go we have our hands full anyway when we come home uh, just life period and so right. we take that quiet time with each other to check in and, and if she's had a if the, yesterday she had an extremely rough day and was just mentally exhausted so I didn't expect her to really engage in anything last night she just needed to decompress and I let her she wasn't I didn't let her but <laughs> I didn't um you gave her the space I gave she her, the, did. I did. I gave her the space. I didn't expect her to come out in the living room and be a part of things when I knew she needed to decompress and need her space in the bedroom. Yes. And she kept, you know, she'd come in and she'd check on me if I'm okay or if you need anything, need anything. No. which was so huge for me. And that in, in and of itself was so nurturing. It's those little bitty things that I think my wife would do well to remember that she does give me. And, and I think there's something beautiful about, you know, like, I'm not going to be all up in your space. I'm not going to write, like tell you that you need something from me, but I am going to let you know I'm here and kind of gently nudge you. So you just know I'm here. And then, you know, I'm going to walk away, give you your space, but you know that I will come back. I will be here. And yeah. yep keep showing up because sometimes we don't want to ask for help, especially after we've already said, no, I'm good. I don't need mm -hmm. your help. Mm -hmm. The other thing though, I love about that car ride home and that discussion is that it gives you, there's two things. One, you can't escape that conversation, right? Like you're in the car and there's no, like, like you're going <laughs> to, you're, you're stuck, which sometimes is where I have, um, those difficult conversations with my teenagers because like they can't get away from me. Right. Like they're, right. they're there. It's um, a captive audience. <laughs> exactly. But also that you're having this discussion 
and leaving all of that at the door before you walk in. And you guys are on the same page before you walk in to your your real life, not your work life, not that external yes. stuff. And I love that. I think that's really powerful. And I think that that people could learn from that, whether you're in the car or it's a conversation that you have on the way home, you know, on the phone, although it's powerful when it's in person. And perhaps for some, it might be, okay, as soon as we get home and we're together, we're going to debrief on our day, find out what each other needs and go from there before we step into the life part of you know, who we are. Um, and I know, like, I met Nora at church. And I know that that Trina, you talked about your relationship with God, or Jesus a little bit. So how has your faith played into your relationship and your healing together? I am closer to God now that I'm not running from him and pretending to be something that I'm not than I ever was. And I rely on him in a way that I never have before. And a lot of that has to do with um, trusting his love for me and full acceptance of me, which Nora was instrumental in helping me to see as well. Almost like um, Nora modeled a little bit of she did. that. She did. Mm -hmm. She did model that. She did. And she does. She does not give herself um, enough credit for what she brings to the table. And I know that some of that is the illnesses um, or diseases, rather. But I tell her all the time, you're you are amazing. You you the person that you are, the people you impact, period, beyond us, beyond beyond me as your wife and our daughter who you are to strangers, who you are, period, because she's so transparent about mm -hmm. her diseases. And that is healing. And that is healing for yourself and for others. And I'm going to, well, I'm going to make a note. Nora, I'd love for you to speak about your relationship or with God and, and Christ and how that faith has, has helped you heal. Um. So we'll, for people that don't know, Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-based program. And, um, you know, I mean, the 12 steps talks about a higher power, whereas Celebrate Recovery does talk about God and and um, Jesus and is, is very specific about that. Um, and my relationship with God is, is important. Um, and I think that it can get lost with all these, a lot of times it gets lost with mental illness and with, um, physical illness, because it's like, why did you do this to me? Why are you making an example out of me? And why do I have this, you know, um, where that's, not really the case. Right. Right on. Um, well, you know, Trina, you talked about, you know, Nora not knowing all the ways that she shows up for people. And Nora has been very open about her recovery on social media and with the people around her. It's not something that she hides. And 
Nora, if I haven't told you this before, I apologize, but your openness and your recovery journey helped me. I'm going to tear up a little, help me know that like I could get help and that it was possible that like healing was possible. So thank you for that. Oh, you're quite welcome. That's the way I've looked at it is if my pain can help one person, then it was worth it. And that's why I'm doing this is this, you know, this podcast and the way that I show up um, on social media and with people as well is if I'm going to go through all of this, I I want someone else to get something Mm -hmm. from it. Um, And so I just want to say thank you, Nora, for your openness and bravery and, and showing me that there is healing and growth and, and all of that on the other, on the other side. Yeah. Um, I want to wrap up with, I'm, I want each of you guys to answer these next two questions. So we'll do one at a time. Um, so the first question I have is what is one piece of advice you would give to someone who loves someone with a mental illness? We'll start with Nora. We'll go alphabetical order on this one. <laughs> Be patient. I love that. It, it's that simple, I guess, right? Yeah. And and Trina, what about you? Separate the person from the illness. You know, they may have bipolar or may have lupus, but that isn't the totality of who they are. Right. Nora is not lupus or and Nora is not bipolar. She is Nora. And there are, those are pieces of her. Absolutely. Right. Just like yes, your anxiety and depression are a piece of you, but they're not you. Correct. Um, and then the last question I have is, and Trina, we'll start with you. We'll go in reverse <laughs> alphabetical order this time. What is one thing you would want um, the partner of someone with a mental illness to know? Wow. I want them to know to take care of themselves, make themselves as much a priority as they make the other person, and to know that it is not selfish to take care of themselves. They deserve that. And Nora, is there anything you'd add to that being in a committed romantic relationship? Um, no, Trina pretty much summed that up because I, because, you know, as she said, I always checked in with her to make sure she was taking care of herself. Um, and I could go back to her last answer, separate, separate the, you know, make sure to, I mean, separate the person from their illness and as well as let them know, Hey, you're, you're really, you make a difference. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And if, yes. And if, before we like end, and I, I love this. This is something that I'm sure somebody else out there came up with and I heard it and I've used it, but self-care is not selfish, even though we often tell ourselves that. And the, the thing I like to use, I love light. I think that when we talk about light and shining our light, mm-hmm. uh, it's about, like bringing people to us and also lighting their path. And so I often think of us as the sun because it's it's the easiest way to describe this. But if you think about the sun and earth, 
if the sun goes away, even if it's, you know, mass stays there, but the light goes away, right? Everything on earth will die eventually because Mm -hmm. plants need sun, plants give us oxygen, right? There's all those pieces. And the other piece to that though, is even if the light were to stay there, but the mass of the sun were to go away, gravity wouldn't be a thing, right? And things would change and things would spin out of orbit. And um, so when you are caring for yourself, you are helping to keep everything in your life running the way that it, you know, it needs to for everything to happen. And when you care for yourself and you keep that light shining, you help heal the people around you. You help them grow and you keep things alive. And so if you're not doing those things, it is actually like not doing them is selfish because it impacts everyone else. And doing them is really, it it, it makes the whole world a better place because we each have our own really important, powerful place here. Yeah, we do. So, um, before we end, is there anything else you want to throw out there for people listening? No, I think you, I think you've covered everything pretty well. Just to grow forward, grow forward. You know, I stopped saying go forward, just grow forward. All of these are growing opportunities and just keep growing. Yes. Grow, grow, grow. And don't stop. Right. We're never done with this process of of living life and, and learning and growing. Yep. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time that you gave me, but also just you you shared so much of yourself with such grace and vulnerability that it was powerful. And I'm sure that that people will feel connected and feel seen and heard because I think a lot of us have a lot of similar experiences that we don't talk about. So thank yeah. you. You are welcome. Thanks for having us. Um, and then with that, we have reached the end of not just this episode, but this series with Trina and Nora. I'm so grateful to them. So uh, thank you so much for listening and learning more about how mental health and society meet. Now go out and open a conversation and discover how mental health is experienced in your world. You can find more episodes of The Mental Society in all the places where you find your favorite podcast. And please subscribe so you don't miss out on anything. Find additional resources at our website, thementalsociety.com. And remember that you are not alone in your struggles. Hope and help are all around you. And until next time, this is Amanda Dolan, wishing you good health, mental and otherwise.